0: hello, hello. Welcome to this week's episode of Be The Vibe Radio. And the topic today is Ask Chrysalis. So I decided to do something completely different. I wanted to make this week's episode much more interactive. I wanted to hear from you guys. So what ends up happening is I get a lot of really great questions. You know, a lot of people, they'll send me DMs in in my inbox for Instagram, Facebook messages, lots of great emails with some really great questions. And as I read these questions, I thought to myself, wow, it'd be great to feature some of these on air and talk about them openly. So I invited people to come onto my website, the podcast website, and drop me some voicemails, ask me any types of questions they had about root work or spirituality, metaphysics, sex magic, and you guys came through with some amazing questions. So this episode is Ask Chrysalis, and this episode is all about you guys and your amazing questions. So I'm going to get right into it and play the first question, and we're going to just go from there with the answers.
1: Hi, my name is Chef. I'm so glad that you're still doing the Ask Priscilla's questions right now. Um, I do have a question about candle work. What is the proper way to dress a candle? Um, I'm in the process of beginning candle work, and I've been given more than one way of doing it. Some have said the oils that I want to use to rub the candle, but others said no. To put it in the candle. So, just wanted to know what would be the proper way to dress a candle for a candle work?
0: This is a great question because it's like the great candle debate, right? So, those. <laughs> people who it seems like like the can't like the magic police are always coming in wanting to tell you like the right and wrong way to do things okay so I I totally get this question (laughs) um and I appreciate it so the answer is is that the way to dress a candle depends on the type of candle that you're you're using if you're using a pillar candle and this is these are those candles that are just standalone they're not like in a glass casing um you would want to rub the oils on the candle you know that's what the term dressing refers to is you know literally dressing the candle you know, with your materials. So rubbing them all up on the candle. So this is a good way to do it when you're using a pillar candle. If you're using a a seven day candle that's in the glass or any type of um, candle that's being held in the glass, there's two ways that you can do that. You can either just put a few drops of it, of the oil, you know, on top, of the candle, you know, along with your other things that you're using to dress it, or you—I've seen people do this where they'll get like a long, uh, not needle, but kind of like a—I can't remember what they're called—but they'll basically use like a metal um, rod to poke holes, a few holes down into the candle. Then they'll drop uh, p- uh, some drops of oil in that those holes, and then that's essentially. Putting the oil in the candle if you're using one of those. Now that's the actual dressing part. Now this is what I do when I'm doing my candles. Um, first, I will cleanse them, you know, clear the energy with some type of uh, cologne like floral water, um, and. Bless it essentially that way, you know, clearing the energy. So that way it is ready for my particular intention. And then I'll dress the candle. And typically what I'll do is I'll just, um, I, t- I, I tend to use the seven day candles in the glass. Um, and I will just put some drops at the top and, you know, some, you know, sometimes it's herbs, sometimes it's, you know, other things, maybe some crystals. Um, and then I'll say my particular prayer, or uh, and petition, you know, based off of what that candle working is for. Then I'll place it on my altar and then I'll light it. That's how I do my candles. Um. So that's my general answer. I try to stay away from saying there's a right and wrong way to do something because really magic is intuitive. And what I've learned is that it's either aligned or it's not. so you know you usually kind of have to experiment with it until you find the way that works for you um and sometimes you may have to dress a a few candles to get something to work until you kind of get the get it get it right but the main ingredient is you want to bless it then you want to dress it and then you want to light it (laughs) so that was a great question
2: Hi, Chrysalis. This is Jerrica, also known as Miss Jerry B on Instagram. And my question is Do you believe or do you support that when the student is ready, the teacher or mentor will appear, or should the student intentionally seek out mentorship um, as a guide on their spiritual journey? Thanks.
0: Yes, Jerrica, that is a great question, and my answer is it's both. <laughs> okay, so the reason why I say that is because you know on the spiritual journey, everything is it's 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 spiritual, but it's also uh, action as well, right? So it's true that um, we don't attract our elder or our teacher until we are ready for it. And that's with anything. Anything that we ask the universe for, it doesn't come to us until we're fully ready for it. On the other hand, too, though, it's important to put action into what it is it you want. And it's also just practical and, com- and I don't want to say common sense, but it's practical to actively engage in your spiritual community and seek out elders because that's how you kind of get to know who's for you and who's not, you know? So on the one hand, you can make yourself open and then you know, once you're ready fully, the right teacher will come, but unless you're out in the community asking questions, checking their background, checking their credentials, talking to their other students, or, you know, if they're, um, priest or priestess, you know, talking to their you know, other members of their uh, spiritual house or their community, unless you're actively doing that, you're not really going to fully gauge if that spiritual teacher is for you. Um, the other thing, too, is that, and this speaks to the podcast I did about Ancestor Reverence, is that, uh, you know, on these journeys, you know, unless we are, are actively uh, uh, Communing with our ancestors, our ancestors also have a big hand in who we connect to on the spiritual journeys, especially when it comes to elders. Our ancestors are the ones who will open or close the door for us to connect with a particular elder or teacher. And they're also the ones that will warn us and let us know when something isn't, isn't right. So this is the reason why, you know, I tell people that. You know when they come to me and they're asking me about, you know, they're looking for a, a priest or priestess, an elder, and they want recommendations. You know, I give them, you know, my recommendations and I connect them to teachers that I'm aware of. But I also tell them to just, you know, look for the look for themselves as well. You know, because at the end of the day, you know, our all of our journeys are individual. And just because there is a spiritual teacher that is for one person doesn't necessarily mean that it's for another. Right. So I know that that part might be a slight tangent. But I say this because a lot of people will go to other people asking for references for spiritual teachers. And that goes into that seeking aspect. Um and, but with that, a lot of times you're still relying on somebody else to give you that information. So it's really important to actively, you know, look and do that on your own, but then also trust that the universe is going to bring you somebody, you know, that's for you. So that is always my advice, you know, do both, you know, make yourself ready, make yourself available, do the spiritual growth necessary in order to attract that to you. Um, but also actively engage to, you know, and seek, seek out a, a teacher. Um, something else I want to speak to as well is that a lot of times we attract teachers to us and they're not permanent. So it's important not to get attached to one or a couple particular spirit, um, uh, guides, spiritual guides or spiritual teachers, because a lot of times, you know, as we grow our, our needs and our spiritual, uh, Uh, requirements change. And that particular teacher that we have in that moment may not be the one that's going to best guide us as we change and we up level um, or we evolve. So um, it's very rare that we have a teacher that sees us the whole way through. So keep that in mind as well as you're, you're seeking out your teachers is that don't get attached. Definitely don't get attached. So that's my answer. Hi, I would like to know if root is root work evil. If not, why is it being taught that it's evil? Thank you. So I absolutely love that question. And I feel like this one is my favorite of the bunch. And to answer the question, the answer is that I can't answer that because it is not appropriate for the whole concept of root work. And the reason why I say it's not appropriate, and there's no way for me to answer that question, is because in root work and in any uh, indigenous spiritual religious practice, there is no such thing as evil. There's no such thing as good either. Um, There's no such thing as a devil. So I can't answer a question for something that has no context in root work. Um, what I realized is that, you know, for those of us who are African American coming out of Christian backgrounds or I- any, you know, the Abrahamic religions, we have a hard time adjusting to, um, you know, the, uh, our African magical systems. Because, you know, we have to completely throw out, throw out everything we've ever been taught, right? <laughs> and it's really hard to go from one practice, you know, for example, Christianity, where everything is black and white, everything is boxed, to going into these other systems where it's, there's no, like, you know, everything is just, every there's every possibility, you know, and everything is, it boils down to balance. So... You know, that's my answer to the question of is, you know, why is root work, is root work evil, right? Um, but I do want to actually go into something a little bit deeper, which is who is it that's teaching that root work is evil, Right. And the reality is that this is a stereotype that has been painted by colonizers, oppressors, you know, lack of a better way of saying it, white folks for, you know, centuries, really for hundreds of years. And the reality is that hoodoo and root Work conjure, they are systems that are specifically dedicated to fighting oppression. And they are systems that are specifically dedicated to liberation. And when you really study workings and, and spells of root work, traditional root work, you'll see that. You know, everything that we deal with as a people, um, as far as our oppression, we have workings in, in root work for that. For example, that's where you get... Um, you know, uh, spells about uh, keeping the, the police away, law away. You have shut up spells for stopping gossip. Um, you got s- hot foot powder for protection. You've got spells for, for to get jobs and spells to get money and spells for luck. And even the use of graveyard dirt was originally used by runaway slaves to keep The dogs from smelling them and tracing them, their tracks. You know, they would, you know, put them in their tracks to keep the dogs from being able to find them. So, everything in those traditions speak to liberation and fighting oppression. So, of course, you know, uh, uh, those who are seeking to oppress us are going to want to keep us um, away from such practices. Of course, they're going to demonize them and paint them as evil, quote unquote, um, to make us fearful of our own practices. Um, so again, you know, the answer is that there is no answer because evil doesn't apply in root work and that, you know, whenever we look at these practices, we really have to do so in a completely different lens than what we've been taught.
2: Good morning, Queen. I was just trying to figure out um, if you would love, 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 love to bless me this morning with either those great two oils, <laughs> Satan, not today, and of course the money manifestation oil. Um, um, my name is Drea. I am a beginner, and I am trying to navigate and find my way. Through that, I found that there have been some things thrown at me. That's what made me curious, trying to fight it off, praying it off, warding it off, trying to keep it off of me. So good morning to you, Goddess. Um, I'm thankful and grateful that you feel generous this morning, and I hope I am one of your winners, and I would like to get a consultation with you further in the future as I manifest my money under divine pressure at the time, but I know it's all divine timing, I say
0: So I know there wasn't an explicit question that was asked for this one, but I it, it, there was some things uh, brought up in the message that I want to talk about. And one of them is the importance of learning protection magic. So the reality is that When we start our spiritual journey we start getting into elevating ourselves, we're going to be, there's a high chance that we're going to be spiritually attacked. That just comes with the territory. Because what I've learned and what I've personally experienced is that the more that we are liberating ourselves and becoming sovereign, those who are still in bondage want to keep us in bondage. So they're going to be doing things in order to try to keep us where they're at. And it is in the form of curses, you know, curses, hexing and just throwing stuff at us. Right. So I know this is the sister in the message was talking about, you know, she she's a beginner and she's new and already she's starting to have to deal with spiritual warfare. So my, you know, my strong advice to anybody starting on their journey is learn protection magic, not even necessarily offensive magic, but defensive magic. You know, have protection sigils around the home. You know, I talked about having, you know, Hamza's or the evil eye, keeping that around the home, having your ancestor altars, um, talking to your protective spirits, asking for protection, um, you know, having your protective crystals, putting things around the home, um, brick dust and, you know, just anything that you can do for defensive magic, um, now, and then if you have something that you, you know, a, a particular situation where you're in active spiritual warfare with someone, then yes, absolutely learn the offensive. But if you can at least get the defensive magic, whatever's being thrown at you won't even hit you to where you have to even engage in, in the actual offensive part of the magic, right? So that's my first thing I want to address with this, this message. The second thing I want to address is divination. It's extremely important to learn some form of divination or have access to some form of divination when you are on this spiritual journey. And the reason why is because one, it will confirm whether or not someone is actually hexing you and it will confirm whether or not your how you should approach it. If you should, how you should, uh, or whether or not you need to throw something back basically. Right. So a lot of times you know some of us feel like oh we're being I'm being hexed and, you know I have these blockages and you know I gotta be it's got to be a curse someone's got to be throwing something at, at me and a lot of the times it's really just you you are either out of balance out of alignment you know you're not living with the, the, what you say you want your your actions and what you're putting into the universe are contradictory and you just things are not happening the way that they should be happening um in order to confirm that, is to divine on it, okay? Say you do divine on it, and then it comes up that, yes, someone did throw something at you. Then it's like, well, the next step is, well, what should I do about it? Because sometimes it's it's not spiritually aligned for us to curse back. Sometimes there's other ways that we have to handle the situation because the spiritual repercussions are a lot worse for us if we do throw back. Right. And then if it is meant for us to throw back, then there's a certain way that we may or may not have to do it. And that all comes out through divination. The third thing I want to address is that when we are dealing with spiritual warfare, the first thing that is affected is our money. So, anytime somebody curses us, or we have, you know, things being thrown at us, the first thing is our, our that is affected is our money. We either lose a job, or we can't keep a job. Lack of stability. We can't uh, maintain financial uh, security, or you know, there's no uh, consistency in our finances. And the reason why it works this way is because the 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 curse is spef- specifically set up to keep us from having the resources. To fight back. So I know that Sis was talking about, you know, dealing with, you know, some energy being thrown at her and then now, you know, her money is funny. Those are clear signs to me that something's going on that's outside of her, you know, that yes, it is a high possibility that she's been cursed. So, Sis, I want to say to you is that, you know, get up on your defensive magic, um, take a lot of spiritual baths, um, and then, you know, if you did a reading, Whatever comes through in that reading for you to handle that and get that, you know, off of you, do it immediately. And if you didn't get a reading, get one. My question would be is forms of shadow work. Um, When it comes to doing the work that people say they are doing and actually aren't doing and it's necessary. What is really a good beginning uh, stepping point for people who may not be familiar with it, uh, but know that it's necessary to be able to really honor their dark as well as their light? I super appreciate this question because First of all, y'all know how I feel about that bullshit love and light movement (laughs) and how I I think that it's got a lot of us fucked up in the game spiritually, Um, but also because shadow work is not done enough. You know, honestly, I don't feel like you're really doing spiritual work on yourself unless you've done your shadow work. And so many of us are so caught up in just the love and light and wanting to just elevate and go to the 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 last uh three chakras, you know, uh throat and and uh third eye and crown that we don't even think about the lower chakras, you know, our root, our our sacral and our, our solar plexus. So you know, in order to answer that question, I got I got a few answers. One that whenever you're doing your shadow work, start with working on your lower chakras, because our lower chakras are really about our shadow work. You know, our our, our root chakra is about our basic survival. Our sacral is about our desires and our solar plexus is about our willpower. So a lot of our shadow, we it can be found in those lower three chakras. Um, on a emotional, mental level, go to therapy. You know, a lot of us forget in this spiritual journey that sometimes we could benefit from just going to a good old fashioned therapist. You know, because our therapist is going to help us pull out and talk out a lot of the things that we hide. See, this, our shadow, our shadow work is really about. Addressing the things that we hide from others, the things that we 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 keep underneath that mask, you know, the things that we are afraid to to show to the world, and you know, until we can really address our shadow, we there's no way we can be authentic on this journey. You know, our shadow work allows us to drop the mask and really be who we are fully. Um, as whole except, you know, self-aware, self-embodied, self-accepted beings. And the only reason why we have that mask and we hide those shadow is because we're ashamed of our shadow. You know, so, you know, go to therapy, you know, dress those first three chakras. A lot of times when people get on the spiritual journey, they just immediately want to bypass the lower chakras and go right into, oh, I want to open my heart. Oh, I want to open my third eye. Oh, I want to open my crown. And it's like, okay, but your 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 root chakra ain't right. And your 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 sacral ain't right. And your solar plexus ain't right. Another thing that could be done, as far as the shadow work, is get a natal chart reading. You know, a lot of our (laughs) secrets of the things that we hide about ourselves are located right in our astrological chart. You know, natal chart is our astrological blueprint, and the specific uh, uh, star or or pinpoint for that is Lilith. You know, so we when we can pinpoint. Where our Lilith lies in our natal chart, that will specifically tell us, especially for women, you know, our, our dark moon, our dark side and the shadows, the shadow aspects. Um, and I know that, you know, my partner, uh, um, Shaman Hands or Reverend Sean, the one I did the wide in the Sky uh, podcast about, he specifically does readings for Lilith, like Lilith readings. So... Logistically, you know, those are my answers as far as, you know, people who are wanting to do shadow work, how can they start? They could start there. I know for me, I didn't really start with any of those things because, well, therapy. I did do therapy. (laughs) I did did go to therapy, but I'm, you know, I'm a a little bit more self-aware than a lot of people. So I'm able to and I'm more willing to face my shadow. And, but not everybody has that because it is scary, you know, because it's, it's, it forces you to, you know, you're, you're, you're naked essentially (laughs) without that mask. And it requires a certain level of vulnerability that a lot of people aren't willing to have. And there's a lot of shame around our shadow, you know, because we're taught at a young age that we're, it's wrong. You know certain things about us. I mean, anything that we hide about ourselves, we were hiding it because at some point in our life, we were shamed for it, so we hide it. So that's the reason why I say that it's really important to have a level of self acceptance, so you can really learn to be okay with your shadow. Then, once you can figure out your shadow, then you're able to move fully into your light. Because when you when you really recognize what your shadow is, that's how you know what you're capable of right so for example two characteristics of my shadow one characteristic is that i have a high ability to manipulate and i have a the second characteristic is that i'm i have a high capability of being vengeful Now, a lot of people would kind of think that being manipulative and being vengeful are bad things, but I am a firm believer that everything is a use. Everything about us is useful, even the shadow parts. So instead of me feeling shame, like, oh, I don't want to be manipulative, it's like, no, that means I have a high ability to be able to persuade people. I'm influential. How do I use that for healing? I'm vengeful. That means that I could really fuck some shit up (laughs) if if I'm pushed. How do I use that, you know, to to liberate? How do I use that to to heal? You know, so that is the reason why I I put out products for warfare, spiritual warfare, because of my shadow's ability to be vengeful and that war aspect of myself. So once you connect with that shadow, Don't think of it as being bad, think of it as how is this useful because everything about us has a purpose. So that's my answer to that.
1: Hello, goddess. I just want to hope I just want to thank you and I hope you're doing well. Uh, So, my question for you is I've been initiated into Paulo, I don't really talk much to my godmother. So, I just wanted to know um, if you know anything about Paulo Santeria. And um, how to take care of my spiritual pop. Because I have a spiritual pop, but I don't know what to do with it. Now that I'm initiated, um, basically stuck because me and my godmother, like I said, we don't talk. So any information or resources that you may have, um, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Okay. So I want to first say that, um, I want to make a distinction. So Paulo and Santeria are two separate religions, right? So I know a lot of syncretism happens between the ATRs, but at the end of the day, they are separate religions that are coming out of different parts of Africa. Okay. So and this means that you know a person could be initiated in Palo, they can be initiated in Santeria, they can be initiated in Vudun, and they're all separate religions honoring separate different gods, different pantheons, different technologies. all different. So I want to make that distinction. Now, I am not initiated in Palo, so I cannot answer that question. Um, About how to maintain the pot. But even if I was initiated in Palo, that's still not a question that I would answer on air, you know, because that's a specific conversation between those who are actually initiated in the religion. Right. So, um, and even with Santeria, you know, I am initiating Lukumi, which is the other, that's the official name for Santeria, but I still wouldn't answer that question on air. You know, that's only only conversation that would be had between initiates. So I wanted to make that distinction, but I'm answering this question. I'm addressing this question because it brings something else that happens a lot that I want to talk about. And this is um, falling out with your godparent, okay? This happens, unfortunately, a lot. Um, a lot of situations where they'll be falling out with godparents, um, you know, a god child will get kicked out of an ile, um, they'll leave an ile, or there'll be some really bad discord where, you know, now the godchild and the godparent are at a spiritual war. Now, I'm not saying that this is the case and with this particular person who asked the question, but, Um, I'm just putting that out there because this goes back to the the first question that was asked about choosing a, a spiritual teacher. This is why it's important to be proactive, because a possibility is that if you don't choose the right spiritual teacher, then the result is you fall out and now you're stuck in limbo, as in this case. Right. So you have to really, really, really be careful because this is the reality. The reality is that this spiritual journey, it gets ugly. And it's really important not to put people on a pedestal. It's very important not to idolize or over-placate or what's the word? Over- you know, overly just, oh God, I don't even know the right word, but it's very important to respect your elders and your spiritual teachers, but also understand that they're human. And that, in that instance, you know, in that, in that context, spiritual teachers and elders, they can get jealous of you. They can decide that they don't like you. They can try to control you, manipulate you, disrupt your life or whatever the case may be. They can withhold information from you because they don't want you to elevate or they want to keep you under their control. They want to keep you giving them money or they want to keep you relying on them. Um, So these are all things that happen. And things that we want to keep in mind when we're on this journey with and, and dealing with these teachers and these elders and these godparents that we connect with. Um, <clears throat> my own experience is that my Padrino, I'm very fortunate because, you know, me and him, we kind of scoped each other out for a good year and a year, year and a half before I joined his e And he's really the best godparent that I could ever ask for. I don't have any of the horror stories that a lot of other people have had. Um, Now, you know, when it comes to other journeys that I'm on, I I have a couple of elders that I had to that ended up not being right for me. And the worst situation I was in was that I ended up being taken from my money that was supposed to be for initiation. You know, but I'm like, okay, it could have been worse. <laughs> so it's a lesson learned. And I'm out of however hundreds of dollars that I had put towards the ceremony, but it could have ended up a lot worse. But I've heard situations of, you know, godparents attacking, spiritually attacking their God children, putting curses on them which just leaving them out in limbo. So, um, but for this particular person that asked this question, I'm actually going to reach out to you privately, um, and give you some information of some people that you can, can connect with, um, in order to address that particular issue. Okay. But I really, really appreciate that question. And again, you know, you guys, please, 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 please be discerning, when you are connecting with these godparents, these, these, um, Elays and, and joining these spiritual houses, when you've been
1: called to a life beyond, um, uh, this earthly plane, or, or I guess when you know that you're meant to do so much more to impact, you know mankind or or, or or humans in general, but you feel like there's like a veil or a block there, where do you begin to figure out what your journey is? Or better yet, like you've been called for something and you know that it's something that is impactful, you know, but you feel a blockage or, or stagnant in your own life. How do you remove that blockage to get started on whatever it is that you're meant here to do?
0: This question is so relevant because it speaks to the parts of this journey that are not easy, you know, and... Yeah, there's a there's a favorite saying, a favorite uh, verse from a Third Eye Blind song. It says, "To live this way is not for the meek." And I adopted that verse as like my theme, like my whole trademark, because this spiritual journey, this spiritual shit, is not easy, and it's it's riddled with blockages. And so, you know, the question is, you know, how do we get through the block? In order to, you, you know, do what it is that we're called to do, you know, my my response is like, well, which block? Because there's there's usually so many. <laughs> yeah, there's the blocks that we put, you know, the limitations that we put on ourselves. There are, you know, the blockages, you know, that we come that we come across from society and those around us, and it's just like it, it could be very overwhelming and it could be very discouraging. And through this journey, like we have to keep. Reminding ourselves like what the point of this is, because it's like a lot of times it just seems easier to just, you know, forget about it all and just go and try to, you know, enter into regular life and regular world and be normal. Right. But it's like those of us who are on this journey, like we're always going to be the unicorn in the room. Right. So we don't even, we don't even have that option. So, you know, the answer to answer that question, I can say that. I guess the answer to that question is my own journey, like my own experience, and my experience has been that um, the way that I have been able to overcome the blocks that have been that have kept me, and that do sometimes still keep me, because I still have my moments uh, from. You know, living out my purpose and sharing my gifts is I have to always return inward. Like I always have to remind myself of myself and remind myself of who I am. So the first obstacle to get over is knowledge of self, like really become connected to who you are and solid in who you are, right? Then when you connect with that, your your purpose is revealed. Once you have that re- revelation, then you have to constantly remind yourself of who you are and be solid in it no matter who is challenging you or no matter what is challenging you. Um, the other thing too is it really helps to be around people who can affirm you so it helps to be in a, in a spiritual community that is supportive. It's, it's helpful to be in relationships, either romantic friendship or family, that is supportive. Uh, because these are the people that are going to remind you of who you are when you forget. And then the other thing is just, you know, work on commitment and being dedicated and trusting you know, trust that your purpose is your purpose. Trust that it's going to bring you, you know, your, your abundance and your stability. Trust that it's going to fulfill you. Because um, a lot of times what we discover is that our purpose and our gifts are, and the way that we show up in the world are not what we thought it would have been. You know, the way that my life right now, it, like if you had told me that I would be doing this stuff like 15 years ago, I would have looked at you like you were crazy. Like, what? I'm going to be doing what? (laughs) So a lot of times, you know, we have to just, we have to really be accepting and we have to be willing to have our paradigms challenged and our, our, our ways of views and ways of thinking challenged because, you know, the way that we think that we're supposed to be is often just programming and out of alignment with our our true essence. So, um, you know, there's a lot. I mean, that's a a, a loaded question, and I probably should do a specific episode about that, but the immediate answer is, you know, connect with who you are. Really, really, really get the knowledge of self. That's going to start to eliminate blockages as far as what your purpose is and how to offer that purpose and how to offer those gifts to the world. Something else I want to add to that real quickly is remember that your gifts are for yourself first and that your gifts should impact you before they impact others. A lot of times when we connect with our purpose. We're so quick to want to just offer that out to the world that we forget about ourselves. But uh, we should take our own medicine before we give it to others. So that's my little tidbit to add to that.
1: Peace, Chrysalis. Um, I have the question of how do I cut off energy from past partners when it comes to sexual energy? And How can I be more discerning when I'm picking partners and not just base it off initial um, chemistry with a partner and instead be more aware and conscious of my decision making and who I allow my energy to co-mingle with and have union with? Um, Thank you for listening. I appreciate you so much. And I always... Look at your posts like, that's my big sis. Like, I'm learning a lot right now. And I appreciate everything that you do. Peace and blessings.
0: I am so happy that I got a sex-related question because this allows me to dive into topics related to The other side that I am very passionate about, which is sacred sexuality, sex magic, and tantra. Now, some of you might know that I am a professional dominatrix or dame, um, technically a sex worker, sex professional. And in addition to that, I am in a relationship, but it is an open relationship, open relating, or polyamorous, if you will, would be the technical term. So... Um, I'm able to answer this question based off of my own direct experience and my own practices, right? So for me, um, you know, to answer the first part of the question, which is, you know, how to cut cords from, you know, past relationships um, or lovers, sexual partners, you there's a few things you can do uh, that are important. You can do a cord cutting uh, psychic cord cutting, um, which is, you know, a, a ritual or meditation that you can do to s- cut the spiritual cords between you and another person. And this is important to do because sexual energy, sexual ties are the strongest of the ties. So, you know, any psychic cords, psychic cords can be made between to any two people for any reason, it could be it could be a link could be made from a handshake or a hug, and then or uh, a link could be made from actual sexual intercourse. You know, but the sexual intercourse is going to be the strongest link. So that's the first thing that you want to cut. This is the reason why people break up and they're still having sex with each other like months and years after they've broken up because they, that sexual tie is still there. It hasn't been cut. Um, this is the reason why men will have a baby mama and a new girlfriend, and then they'll still be messing with. The baby mama, you know? <laughs> so that's 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 the root of where that connection comes from, and why that pull is so strong. So was, cut the cord psychically. Another thing you can do is um for women, you could do yoni steams. And this is to clear out your womb space, physically clean out your womb space, is the yoni steam. Now, men, men, there is such thing as a lingam steam, but you don't really have too many um. Uh, steam specialists that actually do lingam steams and as a matter of fact I only know of one in Atlanta which is um, Ajay with the Sweet sweet Spot over in, in uh, the West End. She's the only person that I know that does lingam steams um, but For women, you know, you have a lot more uh, options as far as, you know, because a lot of people do Yoni Steam. So I definitely recommend the Yoni Steam. This also releases the emotional uh, connection that you have with that ex or that past lover. Um, A lot of stuff gets sweated out emotionally when you do a Yoni Steam. Another thing that you can do, and this is something that I've done. I've done the yoni steams, I've done the psychic cord cutting. I've also um, I also recommend using yoni eggs between partners. And this is for those who want to cut cords and 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 to release lovers and this is also for people who are poly and they want to energetically cleanse themselves between partners so i know you know there's different crystals that you can use depending on your your purpose so if you're a woman wanting to cut a cord um from a lover you can use like black obsidian yoni egg or you can use like a jasper like a red jasper yoni egg um if you're wanting to just generally like clear between partners you clear cords, Joni egg. So, those are that's my answer as far as you know, cl- uh cutting cords and releasing between partners. Now the discernment part. <laughs> um that honestly takes a lot of emotional and spiritual maturity. And I say this from my own experience because I've learned that I I had learned that my biggest weakness was sex because I like sex you know that's why I'm a, that's why I'm, I'm a dominant that's why I'm a sex professional that's why I'm poly you know I love sex um and I whenever I connect with people sexually it's a very strong connection and I'm very adventurous so I'm willing to explore the connection wherever it goes a lot of times, though, where it led me were some not so good places, right? And that's because my discernment wasn't quite there. You know, I was so caught up in the attraction and all of that. You know, like like you know, you speak of. And what I ended up having to what ended up happening was I had to have some I had to uh, have some really hard lessons with that before I I, I started to to really stop, and be more cautious when it came to who I connected with sexually, right? Um, And the reason why this is important is because for those on our spiritual journey, a lot of us are empathic, we're empaths. A lot of us are light beings. So we're attracting a lot of people to us. So the first thing that we need to do when we are, or the first thing we need to ask ourselves when we are, find ourselves like, very strongly attracted to someone, we need to ask ourselves, is is this even our own attraction? Because a lot of times as empaths, we're energetically, we're having a visceral response and an energetic response to someone else's attraction to us. And this is how we end up, it's a lot of times sleeping with people that we kind of regret later because we're like, after the experience, we're like, I'm not even attracted to this person. I'm not attracted to this person, but what it was, was this person was attracted to me and my empathic body responded, making me think that I was attracted as well. I've been in those situations. Another thing as empaths and light beings and those on the spiritual journey, we have to discern between lovers and clients. And this is something that I had an issue with up until maybe about Four years ago. So this is a new thing that I've just learned to just kind of like, you know, discern. But I would get a lot of these people, you know, attracted to me. And I would end up, you know, being lovers with them and sleeping with them and having full relationships with them. And they were actually people that I was supposed to heal. They were clients. They weren't ever meant to be lovers. And then that's then I, you know, at that point though, I'm 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 in these very toxic relationships. Right now, what ends up happening is that a lot of times when we are sexually attracted to someone, or someone stru- stru- sexually attracted to us, if we really sit and we meditate and we are still with it, with it, it's not even about the sex. You know, a lot of times when we're not elevated in our our spirituality and our um, our m- mental maturity, we mistake. Sexual energy for sex. And it's not always meant for us to be intimate or sexually intimate, have intercourse with someone that we have sexual energy with. Sometimes it's, it's meant for us to do healing work, energy work. Sometimes it's meant for us to create with them, you know, uh, paint with them or if they're artists, you know, sing with them or have to start a band or, you know, or, you know, do a ritual magic, whatever the case may be, it doesn't always need to lead to, it doesn't always need to lead to sex. And I've learned that, like, for example, a lot of times I have sexual dreams about people and they're people that I'm not even really attracted to in the waking state. But what I've learned over the years is that when someone comes to me and they, it, and I have a sexual dream about them, that means that they are a client. It means that they're seeking um, or in need of energy healing, not sex. So you really have to kind of sit and understand the nature of sexual energy before you even really start embarking on these um, types of journeys into sacred sexuality. And You really need to understand the nature of sexual energy when it comes to your discernment. So that is my answer. And I really appreciate this question so much so that I'm going to do a whole entire separate episode dedicated to um, the nature of sexual energy and, and spiritual practice. So that was the last question for this episode. And first of all, I just want to thank all of you who participated because you guys came through with some amazing questions. And I had to admit that this so far has been my favorite episode to do. I loved it so much that it will not be the last as Chrysalis. I will definitely continue to do more of set these types of episodes. In the meantime, you guys are welcome to stop by my Be The Vibe radio site and drop me a message or a question at any time. And hopefully, if you do so, I may feature you in a future episode. Thank you so much, though, for everybody who's listened, everybody who's tuned in. Um, again, I just am so grateful and blessed to even have this podcast and have you guys Um you know, as, as an audience, as listeners. I definitely feel blessed and I am grateful for that. Um, as always, you guys can reach out to me. IG is chrysalis underscore sun. Facebook, chrysalis sun. And my email is therapeuticvibrations at gmail.com. And of course, you can always visit my website at be the vibe.com. So again, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I wish you the best until next time.